0: Hello, and welcome to the More Great Seats for Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lazinski, Director of Communications at the SUNY Charter Schools Institute, the largest authorizer of charter schools in New York State. Today's guest is Reese Dunn, CEO of Ascend Charter Schools. Reese is here to talk best practices, specifically Ascend's approach to professional development and how they are building an internal leadership pipeline. If you like today's episode, give us a rating and review on iTunes, and don't forget to follow us on social media. If you want to join us as a guest in a future episode, reach out to us at charters at suny.edu. Now, on to the show. Reese, thanks for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me, Michael.
0: Uh, So let's dig into this. Uh, What is Ascend's overall approach when it comes to professional development, and how do you align that with uh, Ascend's culture of continuous improvement?
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's good. I think, well, one, I think it's always a work in progress. I think that's part of continuous improvement. Um, Our current focus at Ascend is really thinking about how we strengthen our core competencies. So a lot of our leadership professional development is really, there's a key emphasis on thinking about instructional management, project management, and people management. And we feel like if leaders can get those things right, that'll help enable the work that's happening in our schools with our students. As far as the continuous improvement goes, I mean, that really is kind of part of who we are, we, have, we definitely haven't figured it all out and there's always room to get better. Um, we are always looking at ways we can assess both the quality of our PD, how we get feedback from the leaders and how we encourage like all our planners to self-evaluate. Um, our goal is really to think about how we support the capacity of our leaders and teachers effectively. And really uh, that's how we think about continuous improvement within Innocent.
0: So what does PD then look like at, at different levels of the organization, between teachers and administrators? And
1: Yeah, great question. Um, for school leaders, it's orchestrated by our network team. So our school's team spends the time focused on our school leaders. And we're still in the process of developing what our, inten- our ter- internal framework is. Um, and we also ex- uh, evaluate uh, external opportunities as they come up with different partners. But for schools, you know, school leaders, they, they lead their own PD, and um, the teacher PD is, is very decentralized. So really, the academic leadership provides priorities, and school leaders then disseminate that PD to our teams. I think some of the work we're still working on is how do we can t- can ensure consistency and alignment uh, across individual teachers.
0: So then how does your PD align them with specific needs and growth areas for teachers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, our leaders know our, our their school teams best, and our communities are a little different, right? Our, our Bushwick campus is different than our Canarsie campus, different than our Brownsville campuses. Um, and so we believe a lot, the majority of the work occurs outside of PD. Um, so our um, approach has been, how do you incorporate both pre and post work, and then think about how folks have time to practice? And then that way, if we create this foster, like we foster an environment where people feel comfortable, then we can continue to think about how that implemented across schools. And I think when we're going out and observing classrooms and practice, we can take those uh, learnings and observations and apply them back to our PD. So then it ends up being a big cycle.
0: Now, the PD though isn't just for teachers, right? So you're doing it for administrators as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about like your, your summer institutes?
1: Yeah, we're excited about our summer institutes. It's really that time to step back and think about how we're going to launch the year um, right and how we have that opportunity to align and kind of both build a culture and think about what our leaders are all taking with them when they go out and start the schools. Um, We've really um, been driven by the science of reading and making big investments in our curriculum. And so this past year, we launched a a literacy institute during the summer delving into the neuroscience of reading and tying it to the introduction of our new curriculum. And then that way we got everybody immersed in learning and that really helped us think about how we have buy-in for implementation of new curriculum across 17 schools.
0: Now the science of reading obviously is something that everyone's kind of talking about at this time. So how did that work for your, your summer institutes? Did you partner with an outside organization?
1: It was actually spearheaded internally by our organization. However, we did look to both our curriculum providers uh, to think about the PD we were providing. And we also had a chance during our all-step kickoff to talk to the filmmakers from uh, the Right to Read. And that way we had a common sort of view on like thinking about the problem and then how we were going to attack it across Um, the organization and think about what that looks like in Brooklyn. And I think that helped uh, build a common language and get people have buy-in around what does this look like as we apply it across our schools. It's exciting. I mean, it's exciting work, exciting time. I I, by no means profess that we have figured it all out, but I think that's kind of helped us kind of be focused, singularly focused on what does that look like here.
0: So, what was the uh, the reaction? Like, uh, did you have any challenges when you're, uh, you know, introducing the science of reading? And you know, how how's, how's that going?
1: Overall, good. Um, I would say people are bought into the idea. I think um, understanding literacy and um, how kids read and what that looks like. And I think it's, but you know, teaching is a personal craft. And I think um, historically, we had built a lot of curriculum in house. And we were realizing some of the things that we espouse on how we ensure students live lives of endless choice and then what the resources we're providing in the classroom weren't always synced up. So one of the reasons we decided to invest deeply in um, uh, external curriculum was to shore up some of that and provide additional resources and layers for the for the different levels of teachers we had across the board. And I think that's been, you know, we used to get accused of not having enough material. Now we probably have too much material. It's sort of, you you know, you can't quite win. But I think people are appreciative of the resources and the training that comes with it and understanding that that's what the direction we need to go.
0: Great. So uh, let's shift gears for a second. Um, Ascent identified uh, PD capacity building among assistant principals as a a key lever that Positively impact student performance. So I was hoping you could like tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, we have developed um, internal assistant, princ- assistant principal development tracks, and we've also partnered um, with the Lavinia Group to support APS and how they develop instructional management tools. This approach has definitely been a lever in thinking how do we influence our achievement overall performance. Uh, last. Two years ago, we did a lot of focus just on our um, principals, and we recognized definitely there was a piece missing from our APs who were definitely closer and approximate to the work and driving a lot of this work. And so we started working with communities of practice with them, but recognizing that there were it was unevenness across the assistant principal cohort, so we knew we needed to shore up that level because they were also the pipeline to future school leaders as well. And so we've seen some gains, and I think there's still work to be done there, but that's so critical and think about how do we um, go a little further than just the principal.
0: So Ascend is known from, uh, for, for promoting from within, whether it be teachers to school leadership positions or school leaders uh, to, to network positions. Can you tell us some of the training pathways available uh, through the network and what type of roles like teachers and staff can pursue through these programs?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Currently, the two internal uh, pathways we have that are pipelines for teachers to become school leaders are through being a great team leader or being a mentor teacher. Um, There's definitely strong prerequisites for becoming an AP or a dean or even a principal uh, in residence. Um, but the pathway to join the actual network team is a little bit less linear, but we have school leaders who are often apply internally to transition into these roles. I think the benefit of, you know, we're continuing to grow is that we continue to have opportunities uh, both at schools and the network. We've also done a big push to recognize Ascend is one network. We we are at many campuses and that way we can think about how do we share talent the great team leads and the mentor teachers is an application process. And we've tried to work harder on like leveraging observ- observable data and um, more than just, you know, personal connections. And that way there was a robust process to actually observe practice and think about like, then how does that then uh, transfer over to s- further skills that we can develop through people going through these um, programs.
0: So from a a philosophical standpoint, why is it so uh, important for Ascend to be able to develop these candidates from within?
1: Yeah, um, a couple of reasons. One, we think it's good for kids. I think kids knowing and seeing people who stay with the organization in different capacities, I think that's both good for our kids, our communities, and our families. Uh, They also know Ascend, and I think that helps tremendously. Uh, it's good for our culture and keeping um, staff on longer and providing opportunities for people to think about career advancement. And it's uh, important to help continue to uh, hit our mission. So I think all those things, uh, if we create that kind of infrastructure and that ethos, then people want to stay here and we will also have better outcomes uh, in our school communities as well. And, you know, recognizing that we can learn from within. I think anytime we hire folks from the outside, I think it's great, but there's also a learning curve to both understand the community and the culture. And so the times we can do it internally, I think that also saves us long-term investment uh, and that we could leverage to use for other things across the organization.
0: So when it comes to these leadership development pipelines, have you um, faced any challenges uh, aligning them with your overall mission and vision and, and DEI priorities?
1: You know, the, our DEI priorities are have actually helped attract leaders and talent in general. Uh, often people will tell us that our commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, anti-racism is something that attracts them. And what they've seen just in representation of the diverse backgrounds of our, our leaders, both at the network and school level, folks have said that was a place that um, attracted them, too. Because we're very upfront about it and we we bake it into our screening and interview process, people, it's palpable. It's palpable different. I've been at many different organizations and we're very proud of the work we do here around DEIA. I think the bigger issue then is then how do we think about leaders who are experienced enough to have nuanced uh, conversations um, with staff that intersect accountability and DEI issues. I think that's tricky. It takes many times at bat to develop. And I think that's work we still need to grow in across the organization to have leaders who can be able to navigate all those issues. Cause I think there's tons of intersectionality in this work and I think it gets tricky and there's a lot of both and uh, when we have conversations like that. And I think that's work we continue to try to get better at. That's
0: great. yeah. So, I mean, obviously we talked to when we started this conversation, you know, we talked about the fact that you're known for these for your PD, you're known for your leadership uh, uh, development pipelines. A lot of schools are looking to improve their own efforts in, in these areas. So what advice do you have for that?
1: Takes time. <laughs> I would say uh, it takes time. I think that... Um, we often, in this space, I think, are very hard on ourselves. And I think thinking, uh, the continuous learning and our ability to basically reinvent ourselves constantly has helped us. Like we haven't been so stuck on a particular model where we that we didn't want to get in our own way to continue to get better. Like just with our curriculum, we had we had made for many years we were very proud of the fact that we had created our curriculum in-house and did that and we got to a point where it was time to change and that's okay and so i think the same with as you think about developing of your of your staff and your your people i think that's the work you need to do is have like that continuous feedback loop and think about what are the needs on the ground and it may change from like this year to next year to the year after Um, A lot of our work with our APs originally came up from our APs voicing that they weren't having as much access to each other and to development opportunities. And I think that's been a great investment to pivot and focus on them as well. And so the other thing I say is like there's many communities of practice out there across networks. And so I think plugging into other people who've done it um, and uh, learning from them are great opportunities as well and see what works within your own organization.
0: That's great. Uh, so a- any final thoughts you want to add? Um, any kind of a final advice for, for for listeners?
1: Final advice? Um, look, I think this work is hard, has always been hard. And I think the more we can invest in internal pathways and internal development is is great. I think if we had additional resources, we'd probably invest even more in some of our internal tracks. And that's where I think it it pays out in spades not just for um, what the staff will get out of it, but also your culture and also your community and ultimately kids, which is why we're in this work.
0: Reese, thank you very much for uh, joining us here today.
1: Thank you, always a pleasure.